This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. BFM 89.9, I'm Philip C and this is The Breakfast Grill. Now today on The Grill with me is Khalid Shaikh, General Manager at Optless Copco Malaysia and Singapore, as we have a conversation with him on how this global industrial manufacturer of industrial equipment has performed this year and what its outlook is for the next year. Good morning, Khalid. You know, 2022 was an exceptional year for LS Copco. Are we going to see a repeat of 2022 in 2023? Yeah, good morning, Philip. Uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me uh, to your radio station. Uh, very pleased to be here. Uh, yeah, coming back to your question, uh, Philip. Let me just get back a little bit into history. I think um, uh, COVID came as, as like a bomb. Huh? Uh, people were not really prepared. And I think uh, our company as well included, I think uh, we had a lot of concerns when COVID arrived. Eh? So I think in terms of business, it created a very negative impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of, let's say, loss of business, uh, loss of people as well uh, during that period. And then 2021, we started making a little bit of recovery. Yeah. But then the real business actually came in 2022, you know, when uh, companies started really opening up and investing Uh, into new opportunities. Eh? So that's where I think uh, business really uh, came back and came back big. And for Atlas Copco, I think it was a record year in 2022. And obviously, 2023, we, are not, we were not that optimistic, uh, relatively. But then progressively, I think uh, it turned out to be a nice year. So, so far, 2023 has been kind on us. Uh, but I think 2024, we are a little bit skeptical with regards to the outlook. Uh, things are slowing down. Uh, particularly, um, I would say, like, you know, the the rate at which the investments were coming into the country have slowed down. And the key segment where a lot of investments have come in is the electronic segment. Mm. So there, I think, uh, major investments have come in already. And there's a lot of progress being made, particularly in the north uh, of Malaysia. Uh, but then next year, probably, those investments are going to slow down relatively. So therefore, 2024... Uh, as as we see into the crystal ball today appears to be slightly challenging compared to 2023 uh, but we are optimistic because i think uh, there are a lot of changes that are being brought in by the government focusing on that skepticism and challenge of 2024 i mean atlas copco is a very interesting barometer of the health of the manufacturing industry in malaysia and across the world Do you, you know this challenge and skepticism you see in Malaysia, is this replicated globally or is it unique to Malaysia? Um, I think, I think. look, globally, I think uh, the trend continues to be reasonably positive, I would say. Uh, the world, as expected, is going to grow 1.5% to 2% relatively. Uh, in Malaysia, the rate of growth has slowed down. You know, Malaysia was really growing very rapidly over 2022 and early parts of 2023. But I looked at the the projections um, or the results, projected results for the last two quarters. And I think the rate of growth has slowed down. So we have come down from almost like 7, 8%. Uh, the last quarter growth was just 3.2% or something like that. So therefore, I think it's not that Malaysia uh, will have a tough year or whatever. But what I see is, I think the rate at which it was growing has slowed down. So I think that'll create a uh, an impact in terms of volume of business. Eh? Mm. 
Mm. It might it might slow down just a bit. Eh? That's well, that's the way I look at. You've got four core segments. You've got compressors, vacuums, industry, and power. Right? Those are your four core segments. Correct. What really is unique to Malaysia? What are the which segments are the biggest movers in yeah. Malaysia? Yeah. Look, traditionally, Atlas Copco, like you said very rightly, huh, we have those four business verticals. Um, compressor business is the biggest business for Atlas Copco in in Malaysia. Uh, primarily, uh, the reason is we serve the industrial business. And a lot of segments, obviously, industrial segments. So I think that's the biggest business for Atlas Copco in Malaysia. Uh, the second largest business for Atlas Copco is the vacuum business. Mm. And this vacuum business primarily serves the electronic industry, the semicon industry. And I think the semicon industry has seen a, um, you know, a surge in the last two years. So therefore, the business for vacuum also was growing quite rapidly. On the other hand, construction has relatively slowed down. So therefore, the power business, because we we deliver uh, temporary power, the power business has slowed down a little bit. So it's a little bit slower. And then obviously, there are investments coming into the automotive industry now. So a lot of um, investments are coming in on EVs, for instance. Uh, some of it is coming into Malaysia. So there, I think our um, industrial technology business also will 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 see some growth. But today, it is a bit smaller. Because the growth engines that Atlas Copco sees in Asia is very different from how it's framed globally, right? Because if you look at your numbers here, the vacuum industry actually 61% of the business in Asia, whereas on the power technique side, it's only 18% of the business, right? Do you expect these percentages, the dynamics to change over the coming years as we diversify our economy then? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, look, um, Atlas Copco is also innovating all the time. Eh? So the power technique business is transitioning. It is going from a fuel-based, uh, let's say, uh, business where we use fuel uh, to power the generators and you know to power the portable compressors, for instance. And now we're shifting to uh, electric and battery. So therefore, there's a transition that's happening in terms of products. Eh? So therefore, we see the power business um, increasing s- slowly, uh, capturing you know new markets, um, new initiatives that the government is driving. Uh, now the vacuum business relies heavily on the investments in the electronic segment, and uh, 21, 22 saw huge investments. Yeah, now those investments have stagnated more or less. Yeah. So new investments are not coming in, uh, though there is there are a lot of brownfield projects that are going on where the business will continue. Uh, but in terms of pure greenfield investments, I think um, they have reduced substantially now. And 2024, probably we'll see a drop. So the vacuum business will will drop a little bit further. Uh, while the power business will will increase, that's that's my estimation. So you're going to hopefully see this uh, streamlining of the contri- equal contributions across these four core segments. Yeah, maybe not equal, but I would say like you know, uh, slightly uh, increase and decrease. Eh? Mm. So that that probably is, will happen. But the compressor business continues to be the driver for Atlas Copco. Interestingly, Asia is also a very big part of Atlas Copco's overall business. I think it accounts for over 40% of the business yeah. at the moment. Naturally, because it is the manufacturing engine right of the world at the moment. True. But I wonder how this evolves with the situation in China where you're actually seeing, you know, still some weakness there. You're seeing the, you know, the West adopting this China plus one strategy. How do you expect Asia to contribute to Copco's overall top line and bottom line, you know, in yeah. the next three to five years? Yeah, I think, look, uh, as you rightly said, uh, Asia is basically the manufacturing hub of the world. And therefore, I think Asia contributes the largest to the Atlas Copco Group revenues uh, in terms of contribution. Um, uh, Going forward, uh, uh, I think China plus one 
uh, will continue to remain in Asia. You know the policy of China plus one. So investments in China continue to 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 grow. Um, the business for Atlas Copco in China is growing. Uh, it's not growing as it used to grow in the past, but it is still growing uh, in terms of uh, um, revenues. But I think the other investments are coming into the other Southeast Asian countries. That's a question I ask you. Who is the most viable candidate to be the plus one? Is Malaysia top ranked to be the plus one viable candidate? It's a it's a million dollar question, Philip. If you ask me, yeah? because I think uh, most of the Southeast Asian countries are wooing the West to invest in, in, in their countries. Eh? So I think um, with, with, the, with the change in government and the new government that we have in Malaysia and with the Prime Minister himself personally involved in, in driving, uh, you know, uh, in pushing for investments, eh? uh, direct investments, foreign direct investments from the West, eh? we see probably Malaysia starting to edge a little bit uh, compared to Indonesia and Vietnam, which are the two other countries uh, a little bit of Philippines, I would say, but I think it's more, uh, I would say, Vietnam and uh, Vietnam and Indonesia uh, that are getting a lot of investments from the West. But I think Malaysia is starting to catch up. Huh? So, so relatively, at this point in time, I would say Vietnam is taking a lot of investments. Mm. Uh, Vietnam followed by Indonesia, and then followed by Malaysia. But I think going forward, I see this probably changing. One of the biggest challenges with LS Copco is that you're very prone to being sensitive to business cycles. True. And actually, one of the biggest efforts you guys have been doing for a long time is to transition to services, which True. now accounts for two-thirds of your revenue, right? True. Help us understand how do you offer services here to Asian clients and how different are they versus the rest of the world? Yeah, I think Asian clients uh, are different indeed, uh, uh, if you really ask me. Uh, they expect a lot more uh, compared to some of the other clients. And they don't want to pay for the services, you know. So I think uh, there is a big assumption uh, in this part of the world that when they buy a machine, when they buy an equipment, a service comes automatically and it comes free. I think that's a, that's a little bit of a, of a concern when we compare this to the West. Huh? Uh, talking about transitioning um, to services, yes, indeed. I think if you really look from business sustainability viewpoint, uh, I think you need to really have half of your revenues coming from a new equipment, capital equipment, and at least 50% of your revenues to come from service. Eh? So that's basically roughly the, the combination uh, that ideally we would like to see. And in the past, I think our, our capital business was slightly lower. Uh, you know, if you really look at three or four years ago, uh, but then we have really caught up on the capital equipment business. Uh, as I said earlier, it's because of all the new investments uh, that have come in post-COVID. Uh, but then uh, the service business is catching up. Mm. So we have managed to uh, to convert a lot of customers. Um, you know, the way we do services, we encourage our customers to take service contracts. Mm. But as you, you know, say, they, they are very demanding clients. Yes, they, they yes, refuse, definitely. they want everything. It's all all in package in the true. piece, right? So margins are a lot more thinner yes, true. Uh, when you talk to Asian clients. Give us a sense about how thinner the margins are versus maybe the rest of the world. Yeah, look, I think, I think um, you know, uh, when you really look at the, the economies today, uh, I think uh, in business and the traditional businesses uh, that, that a lot of companies are in, I think the margins are getting squeezed. Uh, there's a lot more competition. Uh, there are a lot more competitors who are entering into into the fray. And, you know, the easiest thing is to give away service, you know. And when others are doing uh, these kind of things, eh, if you look at, you know, the simplest example to compare is the automotive industry, for instance. Eh? So if you look at uh, the key players, they tend to sort of package everything in 
and give away service. At least that's visible from the outside. Eh? Um, so yes, indeed, eh? I think um, you know if you if you really compare, uh, let's say in the more mature economies like Europe, for instance, eh? uh, compared to those economies here, the margins are quite less. And I would say, like roughly, just to give you a number, it's thirty percent lower, eh? relatively. Are right, we going to continue the conversation on competition? But we're going to take a short break and return with Khalid Shaikh, general manager at Atlas Copco Malaysia and Singapore, as we deep dive into how Atlas Copco takes into account AI and ESG in its industrial product development roadmap. Stay tuned, BFM eighty-nine point nine. You are listening to the Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U Mobile, Malaysia's number one five G network. Welcome back. On The Grill with me is Khalid Sheikh, General Manager at LS Copco Malaysia and Singapore. We just had a broader conversation about the macro trends that are driving and shaping LS Copco's uh, progress so far. We hope that 2023 will be better than 2022, although challenges remain in 2024. You know, we ended the earlier conversation about competition, about how competition tends to embed services into the core product, in the hard product per se. But it's very interesting, right, for LS Copco, your competitors are a mix, mix, mix match of all sorts of niche providers, right? True. You're not, yeah. you, you are the, you are uniquely positioned as some conglomerate business. True, true, absolutely true. Uh, you're right. Uh, look, um, you know, uh, this is the thing about Atlas Copco. Huh? Atlas Copco has been built over years eh? and um, 2023 has been a year where we have celebrated 150th anniversary of the company. So it's a, it's a company that's quite old. But also the way our CEO describes our company is like, you know, we were a startup in 1873 when we started the company. And even today we work like a startup. You know, the way the company is 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 positioning itself uh, into different sort of uh, areas of business. Eh? Each individual area is looked upon more or less like a startup. You know, mm. so with that attitude, what happens is you're very agile and you're very sharp and you're able to react faster to the changing market conditions. Eh? So I think that in essence uh, drives us to be ahead of a competition. Eh? So, you know, so uh, though it's a conglomerate, though it's a massive organization, it continues to function in a completely decentralized way where decision making is, is very swift. Is it a temptation to centralize, drive efficiencies, consolidate everything? Because when I read the you know this description of the business, you you take pride a lot in running a, this decentralized organization, as you say. You know, having you know managed manufacturing facilities closer to the customer. I get that logic, but aren't there cost efficiencies that come when you start centralizing a business? No, that's true. I think uh, you know you need to really um, balance between uh, cost and efficiency. Yeah? Um, efficiency here, I mean a way to market. You know, you will, you will, uh, if you centralize everything, eh, you might actually produce products at a lower cost, but then you might actually lose the edge um, from the market, basically. You know, when you, when you are actually not having any decision making um, locally, you know, when you don't really have, let's say, uh, ability to, to manage business locally. You end up with a situation where, yeah, you are lower cost, but then you're not able to to react fast enough. So having to agility to pricing, to customer support, yes. it's actually decentralized to the respective yes, yes, yes. regions fundamentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a nice mix between centralized and decentralized. Uh, so that you know you can take benefit of uh, both the both the values. Mm. 
And I, I presume, as you said, right, this startup requires you and demands of you to innovate and move extremely fast. It requires you to think about the future. And really, your new tag is technology that transforms the future. I wonder what the future is, right, uh, for Atlas Copco. Where do you see the big shifts that, you know, will shape your product development moving forward? Yeah, I think I think the, the shift is already happening as we speak. And there are two domains where the shift is happening. I think one is the artificial intelligence, uh, which is which is really uh, making waves today. Um, and the second part is sustainability and climate change. I think these are the two uh, major areas uh, that are actually going to shape the future. Uh, and Atlas Copco understands that. And that's the reason why we have changed our identity now very recently. Uh, from just being Atlas Copco, now we, we make a shift to Atlas Copco Group. And then from the tagline of Atlas Copco, which was home of industrial ideas, which continues to be the tagline of the Atlas Copco brand, we become technology that transforms the future at the group level. Mm. Now, the, the basis of that is to take benefit of these two areas where basically, uh, you know, we see a lot of opportunities going forward. Mm. What are the biggest shifts in your product evolution to reflect these two big trends? Give us an example of how, you know, your bis- your, your products, you know, yes. you know, these industrial products, how have they evolved with respect yeah. to AI and ESG? Yeah. Trends? I think, I think uh, um, the first thing about AI, I think, um, you know, what we are doing basically is, you know, we realized the importance of technology uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. So way back in 2012, 2013, we installed, um, you know, um, uh, something that we call as smart link. Now, this smart link is a device that captures data on the machine of its usage, of its parameters, of a lot of other things. And it puts it into the cloud through the GPS. And what we're doing there is we are using artificial intelligence to predict trends. Yeah, to predict how the how the business is evolving, whether it's going up, whether it's going down, what sort of uh, future, what what the future holds, basically, mm. this could be seen through that crystal ball. You know, so I think I think that already is work in progress, and as we speak, because this is big data, you need a lot of artificial intelligence to really see through this data, and make meaningful use of this data and information. Yeah, so this is just one part. The other part is in terms of AI being implemented into our products and solutions. Like, you know, when we talk about the compressors, for instance, eh? compressor is just a piece of machine that delivers utility, which is compressed air. Yeah? But then what is important is how to make the whole system efficient. For that, we have something called optimizer. Mm. Now, this optimizer basically is a very intelligent system. It has got machine learning and artificial intelligence. So what it does is once it is installed, it actually sees how the machines are being used and starts optimizing the machine performance according to the customer's profile. Yeah, I listen to you and hear so many uh, pro- elements of progress there. It makes me think, does this shorten the product life cycle substantially? And does this force you then to deliver a price point that enables you to deliver return on investment faster? Uh, look, Philip, I think, I think uh, you know, all this is being done, keeping in mind, you know, the second part, which, which I did not answer, which is about climate change and uh, sustainability. 
Because I think I think the whole concept is, you know, that cost is just one thing. Eh? What is important is how can we reduce energy consumption? Because today we are at the crossroads as as humanity. Eh? It's not just about Malaysia; it's about the whole world, and we are really being impacted by climate change. Eh? And we see this happening in front of our eyes today. Yeah, Malaysia was never having this kind of weather that it has now. We used to have a rainy season in the past. Today it rains almost every other day. or sometimes it doesn't rain for weeks and months so so you know it is happening in front of us so what is important here right now from uh, from a human perspective i think is to really focus on solutions that are going to conserve energy and then you're able to directly contribute to to our human cause of becoming more sustainable uh, trying to limit the impact of climate change i think mm-hmm. so this is where i think atlas copco has smartly started using artificial intelligence and gathering big data to actually try and use it um you know to to help our customers reduce their um energy consumption and thereby uh, supporting their their sustainability efforts i mean all this technological progress surely requires a lot of investment and r&d investment is a huge element of costco's uh, bottom line 3.8% of revenue right what do you invest in uh in terms of r&d and what do you buy because actually you've also had a track record of buying many businesses right True. every year you buy about 15 to 20 a year correct what is the balance between investing in r&d versus actually just buying the technology out front from other companies so the concept of atlas copco is that you know we we call something as core right so the four businesses that we have this is the core of atlas copco and what we do basically is we try and strengthen this core through innovation now innovation will not happen without good r&d uh, investments eh? so therefore atlascopco is getting aligned with a lot of universities institutes colleges even ngos for that matter and eh? some of the ngos uh, that work on these kind of things and we try and collaborate and fund them uh, to get the next big thing yeah this is part of that core activity but then it comes to uh, acquired um, technology yeah So now our tagline is technology that transforms the future. So the idea is now to look beyond the core. And that's where I think we look at new acquisitions like for instance uh, you know uh, we have acquired a few years back a company that is in the business of vision. You know we do these assembly systems. So therefore the assembly systems combined with vision artificial vision can actually make the technology much better. You know more potent and can can do assembly of the systems faster so that was done by atlas copco so we have now uh, like for instance we have acquired a company that is in the business of joining uh, metal now conventional way of joining metal is either riveting or it is welding or soldering or whatever mm-hmm. you call it but there's also gluing for instance uh, now we get these very high end um, you know synthetic glues which can then be used to to assemble it sounds uh, like enhancing materials. the core it sounds like you're enhancing the core yes. by adding yes. these enhancements so that you really deliver the core it's not adding more to the core right yeah no but uh, i give you another example for instance eh? atlas copco uh, was never in the vacuum business you know like in till 2000 i would say 12 13 where atlas copco saw an opportunity to to widen the core by acquiring new technology so therefore we started making vacuum pumps of our own initially and then it went on atlas copco went on to acquire uh, major companies uh, you know major global companies i would say like edwards for instance and leibold uh, these were two companies that were leading uh, companies in the vacuum business 
and then atlas copco acquired those companies and today they are part of the atlas copco score business and in fact one of the pillars of atlas copco is vacuum mm. which is acquired uh, business eh? it was not part of atlas copco till uh, let's say 2015 16 eh? so yeah that's an example to just uh, show how we how we increase and how we widen our, uh, our business yeah in caleb i hope that 2024 will be as equally successful as 2023 on the breakfast grill college shake general manager ls copco malaysia and singapore i'm philip c bfm 89.9 the bfm breakfast grill brought to you by u mobile malaysia's number one 5g network you have been listening to a podcast from bfm 89.9 the business station for more stories of the same kind download the bfm app